getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser! Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one. Lindsey is in. Janovich the fullback. Janovich hit. Nice big hit there by Kendrick. He continues to dig. He's not. They call a touchdown. They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. Ends on court. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I am exercise the demons. This house is clear. Buddy, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Presented by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, also a columnist at MileHighHuddle.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how are you doing tonight, my brother? I'm good. I kind of still taking in the Drew Locke experience for the first time, Chad. I'm sure you are as well. I'm sure Broncos country is. And uh, we have a lot to pick apart tonight about the uh, the press conferences and going forward, what the Broncos team might look like with Locke under center and his second start, his third start, and so on. Yes, we are going to, you know, try and and sift through our analysis of Drew Locke's performance one day removed from the game where it's not quite so fresh and maybe hot takey off the cuff. I mean, that's why we call it the gut reaction. Like it's right off the cuff and, you know, going out, going back at it a day later gives us the opportunity to kind of settle in and have a more measured take. So we're going to touch on what we both think of Drew Locke, what it means for the future, what it means for the rest of this year, as well as what Vic Fangio had to say after having watched the tape about Drew Locke's initial debut. We're going to get to all that here in just one second. But first, you guys, a quick reminder, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way for you guys to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time, whether it's announcements, hey, we're going live, hey, we changed up the timing, we rescheduled this program, whatever it might be. 
giveaways. That's the best way to stay in touch with what's happening in as real a time as possible. So take care of that business. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts. I've seen a massive influx of new reviews, Zach. I don't know if you've seen this Mm -hmm. on Apple Podcasts on the show, but head on over there, leave a creative review on the Huddle Up Podcast. If you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating and then, you know, some feedback. Tell us what you think. And what that does, two things, it enters you into the drawing that we're going to announce here, actually the winners later on this week of November. We randomly select a couple of names out of the bag from that month, give away some swag, whether it's hat, whether it's shirt, whatever it might be as a thank you. So it enters you into that drawing each and every month. And then also it's a great organic way to support the show. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's, um, I mean, before we get into what Fangio had to say, one day removed from Drew Locke's debut, in a word, how would you describe where you're at right now with, with Drew Locke? I'm pretty content, I think. I, it went as well as I thought it would go for Drew Locke. I mean, he did the necessary things I thought he would do. He also looked every bit like a rookie. It's sometimes also Chad. He looked like a guy making his first start. I'm pretty content. I like the fact that the Broncos rolled him out there before Week 16. I like the fact that it's now Drew Locke's team. And I like what he said after the game. He really took ownership of that role. He said, I'm the voice now. I'm the guy in that room. And I love hearing that after the failure that was Paxton Lynch, after the failure that was Keenum, after the failure that was Joe Flacco, finally having a young quarterback under center who's the offense is rallying around and he sparked the entire team. So I think in one word, I am completely content. You know, I'm excited about what the future might hold for him. In fact, I want to pull up that quote. Um, that he said where he's talking here, here's what he said after the game last night knowing that he's going to continue starting and being the starter even though the Broncos haven't officially anointed him the starter beyond this coming week or the, the starter for the remainder of the season here's what he said quote that's the number one goal hopefully coach doesn't have to talk about the starting quarterback for a long time here I think it's going to be an awesome transition for me to get even more comfortable with the guys around me 
it was a little different splitting reps with Brandon this past week, Brandon Allen, of course. Now I feel like I'm the voice. I'm the one guy where I can go in and really start to be myself 24-7 with these guys. They may have thought they saw a little bit of me tonight. They're going to see a lot of me in the next week, close quote, which love Zach, I love seeing that because he, you're absolutely right. You you hear from guys like Cortland Sutton and others who say, you know, I could tell when he first got here in the, in the spring that he had some, some, you know, he had some swagger to him and they, that they liked that confidence. But as a backup, see one big difference between Drew Locke and Paxton Lynch is the ability to discern and understand kind of how to fit in. As a guy that was on IR watching for, you know, 12 weeks, as a guy who then was splitting reps, as a guy who even this past week, as he mentioned, splitting reps with Brandon Allen on the first team, you know, he kind of had to bide his time and not completely let his hair down as a leader and let that swagger and confidence come out and really kind of take ownership in the same way that he did, for example, at Missouri and probably in the same way that he did back in high school. But now after he's got that debut under his belt and a victory, no less, Zach, he feels a lot more comfortable and kind of in a position where he can do just that and really kind of leave his stamp of personality on this team. He doesn't know any different, Chad. This is how the guy is wired. That's how he was born. And when you have that it factor, it's not something you can buy. It's not something you can learn or someone can teach you. You have to have it or you don't. It's just like a gene inside of your body. And he happens to have that gene, the it factor. So it's no surprise to me that he's already translating that leadership role that we saw at Missouri. And many Broncos fans were worried that it was a uh, not a, a top-flight school, not a, a national championship contender, but he still showed enough on tape at college, the intangible-wise, that would translate over into the pros. So to me, him taking ownership, and then he had another quote where he was like, I'm not going to change the way I am. This is just the way I go about playing the game. I'm going to have fun. I'm not going to change. I just love that confidence. After you're making your first start, you're making those declarative statements already, and you've already – it's faking until you're making it. In a sense, I mean, he's not a true bona fide Pro Bowl quarterback, but I think he's speaking like he's a star already. And I think eventually he'll speak that into existence. That's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. And I mean, I just like seeing it just at the end of the game. I mean, there's clips you can find it on Twitter and probably anywhere on social media. But at the end of the game is Brandon McManus trots out onto the field. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit about Brandon McManus and some of his passive aggressive stuff happening yesterday here in just a few minutes. But, you know, as, as McManus trots out onto the field to attempt that 53 yard ended up being the game winner, the camera's on drew lock. And I think it's Deontay Spencer. That's kind of huddled up with them. You know, they're like in prayer mode. They're in the Tebow mode, you know, like <laughs> hoping this kick goes through and it does. And, you know, they jump up and celebrate and locks running around the field. And he's, I don't know what he calls that. Like the phone thing, like he does the, <laughs> the surfer, you know, surfer dude. I don't know what that is, but he needs to trademark that. Speaking of trademarks, he needs to take care of that. But I just love seeing that passion and energy. And on both cases, like the deeper pass to Sutton that was a touchdown, 26 yard strike. He runs straight down there. He's stoked. He's running. He's yeah. passionate. Everyone's happy to see it. And then it becomes contagious. I'm telling you, teams take on the emotional complexion of their quarterback and yes. their head coach. And Vic Fangio, you know, he's a, I'm sure he can be a fiery guy, but he's a pretty, in terms of the way he presents himself, he's a pretty even killed cat. Joe Flacco, I mean, you have to like, uh, check his pulse. Dog, are you alive? <laughs> you, alive? <laughs> right. you know, and so, of course, the team comes out and, you know, very flat and inconsistent emotionally and from an intensity perspective, which trickles down to the performance. So, 
I love seeing Drew Locke injecting a little bit of passion into this thing because you just never know where it can go. The, this team has been needing a spark and not just a, you know, illusory spark like the six quarters that Brandon Allen gave the Denver Broncos, but a real spark that they can, they can build on Zach. And another example of that after the game, there's a video on Twitter. It's actually Drew Locke giving some post-game uh, uh, you know, interview. He's wearing a headset, and Cortland Sutton comes up behind him, running up behind him, starts hitting him on the chest, starts celebrating with him. He already has taken onus of that number one quarterback job role. He's already taken onus as the leader of this team. He's already taken it upon himself. And uh, you, you nailed it. You said that it takes on the complexion of their coaches. Fangio is a very stoic individual. Joe Flacco is barely even breathing. You don't even know if he has a pulse, like you said. So the fact that there's someone in that locker room in a leadership position that has that fiery energy, it's totally contagious and it already rubbed off, I think, on the Broncos. You saw it yesterday. You saw it a little bit with Brandon Allen, and that was by the virtue of not having Flacco start anymore, but you really saw it with Drew Locke because he's a natural, fun-loving leader, whereas I think Allen was putting that on a little more. He's more of a backup, more of a passive guy. But Drew Locke, you can't contain it. Like he said, he does not know any different. It's how he's wired and it's how he's going to play. QB1. That's what that's he right. is, man. Like, that's just who he is. And even his father, after the game, I can't remember now off the top of my head how to attribute it, who, which outlet it was through, but he gave multiple post-game. He, he and his uh, his wife, Drew's mother, gave multiple post-game quick interviews. And uh, one of the things that the dad, Andy, said is, is to paraphrase him, is, you know, he, the kid just needs to play. You just need to play the kid because this is what happens when he just has something about him. You got to play him. And then, you know, the rest takes care of itself, if you will. But Zach, you saw in the first half, Drew Locke go, you know, uh, he had a, over 100 QB rating, over 123 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns. And then the Broncos, they go, oh, you know what? We've got a lead. Things are going really well. We don't want to blow this. You know, Drew Locke's only been practicing for three weeks. This is his NFL debut. They batten down the hatches only three times. I went back over the play sheet, Zach, and and uh, tracked it. Only three times did the Broncos not call a run play on first down in the second half. One of them was a Drew Locke. It was meant to be a pass. He ended up scrambling, picked up two yards. The second one was that blown up screen to Philip Lindsay in the left flat by Drew Tranquil. And then the last one was the actual, you know, Hell Mary at the end that they got the PI. So only three times. Now, if you look at it, why is that a problem? Why is that an issue for Drew Locke and for the Denver Broncos offense? Who, by the way, they scored six points in the fourth quarter yesterday on Sunday against the Chargers. That was the first time in five weeks this team has scored in the fourth quarter. Mm. I mean, okay, that's another side. We'll get there in just a second. But Three times only did they not run the ball on first down. And what that does is it telegraphs to the opponent, Zach, what you're going, what you're doing. And so I just, as a defense, if I'm the LA Chargers or any other opponent, I'm just selling out to stop the run on first and second down. How many third and longs did Drew Locke deal with right. in that second half? Because they became so predictable. There was no, there was no uh, creativity in the design. There was no creativity in the play calls. And so they just sold out to stop the run, bringing up third and long, a lot of punts in that second half. And he ended up only having 11 yards passing plus the interception in the second half to end up totaling 134 yards passing. If you, and the other thing, Zach, and I'm on, I'm on a tangent. I'm sorry. I'm going to serve this back over to you. You're good. The other thing is you had him, you had Drew Luck in the pocket, right where you want him, right in that, that zone where he's in a groove. 
you know, because Rich Scangarello scripted that first, you know, probably at least the first half of the first quarter of plays the Broncos ran. That was scripted by Rich Scangarello, and it worked. Uh, Drew Locke got into a rhythm. Things were going well. You got up by two scores. And then for some reason, Zach, after that muffed punt in which the Broncos recovered in the second quarter, it just went, they just went into conservative mode and handed it off three consecutive times after they recovered that fumble to Royce Freeman and then kicked the field goal. And from then on out, there was no looking back. Like the Drew Locke show, it was pretty much over. It was the coaches really just clipped his wings. And I just, yeah. you know, I hope they learn from that. Look, dude, you got to keep pedal to the metal. This is the NFL. That's been the case, though, with Flacco, with Brandon Allen, now Drew Locke. I mean, he had no favors lock yesterday with uh, Scangarello's play calling. It did him no justice, no favors, and that's been Scangarello's calling card uh, is going into a shell when when things hit the fan in the second half. If the Broncos get any sort of lead, they sit on their hands instead of going for the kill shot, and that's not how you win in the NFL. So absolutely, the play calling has to be better and more consistent, but I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic that now they have one game of him on film going forward, they can start to call more plays that expand expand his his abilities and kind of build him up in that sense more passing plays rolling him out more giving him more freedom to audible maybe and just make more plays with his arms and his legs I hope that Scangarello learns from this because they can't sit on their hands they can't keep running the ball into the teeth of the defense and like you said when there's no threat of a pass of a play action when they know the run is coming it all it does is hurt the quarterback so his coaches yesterday were very lackluster I think on both sides of the ball Drew Locke and I think once he gets some help in that area you'll see better uh, results on the field Mark jumping in with a couple of donations on Super Chat. Thank you, Appreciate Mark. you, brother. He says, the future is now. Hashtag lock and roll. Great <laughs> show, guys. Zach, is your left eye okay? Zach has been dealing with some sniffles. He's been under the yeah. weather the last <laughs> few days for work. Yeah, yeah I'm, I have a little cold going, but I appreciate your concern. I'll be okay, though. Just, you know, typical winter weather. So let's talk about this from Andrew here. Did you guys listen to how salty BMAC was in the press? I'm glad you brought that up. I had a piece, a written article on it today at milehighhuddle.com. I encourage each and every one of you to go give that a read and check it out. And I received some blowback on it because I said basically the headline is something to the effect, paraphrase, paraphrase my own headline, was something like, you know, Brandon McManus, uh, his his behavior and uh, contradicting Vic Fangio, it's just not a good look for the Broncos. What I mean by that is fans saw pretty clearly that when Vic Fangio, and it was an ugly sequence in which Fangio was very you know, indecisive, trots McManus out there for that potential 65-yard attempt at the end of the second quarter, changes his mind, and then McManus, as he's trying back off to the sideline, he's livid, he's ho- hooting, he's hollering, he throws his helmet into the sideline, which is just sophomoric. Mm-hmm. But, that's one thing. Then he comes back, hits a 52-yarder and a 53-yarder in the fourth quarter of the Broncos win. After the game, in the locker room, Vic Fangio awards him one of three game balls. The other two went to Derek Wolf and A.J. Johnson. But McManus gets a game ball, okay? Then McManus showers, dresses, goes out. PR makes him available at the podium. And one of the things that Vic Fangio had said, uh, and I'm going to circle this back to you here, Zach, when he was at the podium was, Hey, what were you thinking there on why you, this was Sunday directly after the game. Why did you back out of that 65 yarder? You were clearly thinking about doing it, et cetera. And he, to paraphrase him, he said, look, you know, I've seen it too many times where a kicker comes out, Zach, and he attempts a big long one like that and he gears up and he misses it. And that gets in his head and it throws off his technique for the rest of the game. And I just didn't want that to happen. I could tell this was going to be a close game. Well, McManus was asked that about that at the what he thinks about the notion that a kicker's technique can be changed if he misses a long one throughout a game. And he said, well, 
you know, does a, does a quarterback's technique change after he, you know, throws a Hail Mary. And so it, it, in, in retelling it and adding it all up, it might not sound like a big deal, but when your kicker is passive aggressively contradicting your head coach in the wake of a victory and okay. you know what, tip your cap to McManus because he did come through with those two kicks in the fourth quarter in the clutch. And he's been shaky from 50 yards the last three years. Let's face it, 50 yards or more. He has been shaky, but, and he came through. And so on one hand, I can understand the the beating of the chest and, I get that, but Vic Fangio is still trying to imprint. Vic Fangio is still trying to kind of exert his personality and, and control on this team. And I have to wonder how how conducive the kicker, you know, mouthing off and contradicting the head coach in the in the media and to fans is to to this team becoming what ultimately Elway and Fangio want it to become. You know, I kind of agree with McManus's premise to an extent. He made a good analogy there or whatever it is, a metaphor. Yeah. Um, but it's just like you said, the, Fangio has to put the team in the best possible situation to win. He has to do what's in the best interest of the team. The only thing this leads me to believe, Chad, is that CBS report about all the internal strife with Fangio in the locker room. Maybe there's something to it now. This never happened under Vance Joseph. This never happened in the past with McManus. He's been a pretty docile teammate. For him to come out and throw his, his helmet, though, you're right. There's no excuse for that. There's no reason for that. I know he wants to be the man, but he was the man. Why get out there after you win the game and still get upset over your coach over a second half or first half decision at the last second? I don't know. Uh, it's very unlike McManus. I don't really know why he did that. Maybe he feels like he wants a opportunity to kind of shake those demons because he has been so inconsistent. But you just won the game. Why are you, you know, having a beef with your coach right now who made the decision that ultimately helped your team win? Well, no, just as selfish in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. I get that you wanted a shot at the record. That's what that 65 yarder would have given you as an opportunity to hold the NFL's all time longest kick which is currently shared by Jason Elam and who else? Oh, Prater, duh, right? It's shared by those two. Or did Prater, now that I think about it, did Prater beat Elam? Anyway, he it's 64 yards is the current record. And I get that he wanted a shot at that record and to have the glory of that. But when it didn't unfold the, the, that way and your coach brings you off the field, even throwing the helmet and all that, like, fine, I can live with that. What I don't like is the – publicly kind of co contradicting being critical of your coach at the podium, even it, even if it's in a passive aggressive way, that's what bothers me. It's like you're three and eight though. I mean, it's a lost season. Why are you hoping for personal accolades right now? Why would you even admit that publicly? I, I don't, mm -hmm. it's such a terrible look for McManus himself. And he's been a pretty good teammate, pretty well liked in the locker room. Very I don't, well. under, I don't understand it, Chad. I, maybe he's, he sees the writing on the wall a little bit. Maybe he's facing the pressure, but like I said, you just won the game. You just nailed a, a huge field goal. Your team won revel in that. Don't get up on the yeah. podium and start clashing with your coach. Just a bad look all around. This is the overtime podcast network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Amen to that. And uh, Jacob Smith, jumping in here, longtime listener of the show, brings up a great point. Drew Locke in this offensive line against one of the NFL's best pass rushing duos, zero sacks, good to great QB play, can neutralize the pass rush and offensive line deficiencies. And that is so true. Zero sacks, and I'm pretty sure zero credited hits. Even though there was a shot that he took from Ingram, I can remember from watching the game, for whatever reason, I don't believe Ingram was actually credited with a QB hit on that play. And even after the game, Locke stood up there and like, you know, showed his shirt. He's like, I'm unscathed. I'm untouched. Like I'm good. Like my, my offensive line really went to bat for me and they did. And Jacob's point though, should not be lost on any of us. When you have a dynamic quarterback under center that can, um, help take pressure off a beleaguered starting five. I mean, Garrett Bowles, he wasn't perfect. Neither was Elijah Wilkinson, but both of them played significantly better with Drew Locke back there. And that's encouraging to see as, as this thing continues to take shapes at. I, that's what happens when you have a mobile quarterback back there. And, and to Locke's credit, he a couple times in the pocket, he did face a little bit of pressure, but he stepped up. He, he moved around it. He maneuvered in the pocket around the pressure. It was a very heady play by a rookie quarterback making his first start. And when you have a quarterback like that, like you just hit on, Chad, it makes the entire offense, including the line, better. But credit where it's due. We've been two of the biggest Garrett Bowles detractors in the entire world. He held up yesterday. Wilkinson held up. Uh, even Schlotman coming in for Leary, he held up in the interior. I will say, though, it was a, a big letdown performance in a lot of ways by the Chargers. They probably should have sacked Drew Locke. It was a you know pretty bad loss for them. But to his credit, Locke, to the offensive line's credit, they really kept him clean. And uh, it's very encouraging considering what we've seen uh, thus far this season and honestly the last couple of years. Absolutely. Let's see here. There's one from Jordan Cardona. He says, what would the reaction be if the Broncos lost this in another heartbreaking fashion? Skangs would be under twice the amount of pressure he's currently under. Yeah, I mean, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we all would have had a you know a great Thanksgiving or a Merry Merry Christmas, as the old <laughs> saying goes. It's not how it shook out. The Broncos did manage to get six points in that fourth quarter, which saved Skang's bacon. And for those of you who haven't seen the victory speech in the locker room after that uh, that performance, I suggest go find it on YouTube or social media because the very first shot you see as the camera turns on in the locker room is uh, Skangarello, very fired up and passionate, like chest bump hugs slash chest bump slash hugging Cortland Sutton, just like, on cloud nine, excited, stoked that they came out with that win, which tells me that, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's under the gun a little bit. He's feeling the pressure. He understands that this has not been a pretty situation offensively all year long in his defense, Zach, as a first time play caller in the NFL, how are you supposed to really make hay when you have a carousel at the quarterback position? Right. 
And I think there was some relief from Fangio. Fangio used the R word relief when he walked, um, you know, walking off the field that he felt the, the number one emotion was relief. I think there was some relief on Scangarello's part, not just for himself, oh, yeah. but that Drew Locke acquitted himself well in his debut and came out on top. I, well, Locke is a reflection of Scangarello and his uh, development there. So the fact that he won that game through two touchdowns was a decent look for Scangarello. But even if they would have lost that game, you can shock it up to Locke making his first start. And I think that would have bought uh, Scan some a little more rope. And I think it would bought the Broncos a little more rope in terms of that. But you're right. They won. There's no point in, in pondering what if. And they won, which is encouraging, on the strength of Drew Locke's arm. I mean, he was a difference in that game, his touchdowns. So we really can't look look back, only look forward. Paul, 826, longtime listener of the show, former VIP subscriber of milehighhuddle.com, jumping in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. One of our Super Chat superstars who we sent a T-shirt as a small thank you. He says, Rich for four quarters in a game, not two. Guess Wonderlick for coach. Yeah, I guess you need the Wonderlick for coaching hires. But here's the shirt that we're giving out right now as a thank you to our Super Chat superstar. Zach, Show, show them the shirt just a little bit. Like, yeah, move the mic just for a second. On the front, you got football priest. And then turn around. Let them see the back just for a second. It's then you the got logo. the Huddle Podcast logo, all right, with the, really the Bronco it. horse head in the middle of it. So, Paul, I'm glad you got your shirt. I'm glad you like the shirt. Appreciate your support, my brother. Um, and, yeah, I mean, here's the thing on, on Scangarello. I was asked this about Fangio today, and I think the same holds true with Scangarello. We talked about it a little bit after the show or after the game yesterday. But Scangarello needs time to grow, and he needs time to grow with a consistent quarterback, Zach. And he's got it in Drew Locke. You know, he played a role in not necessarily was he the, you know, impetus for the Broncos drafting Locke, but he rubber stamped it. And he talked about the biggest thing that drew him to Locke aside from the traits that everyone in the NFL drooled over when it came to Drew Locke. And by the way, you could see that arm talent yesterday clearly on display, the way he can zip that ball in there and use different angles. Didn't always work out well for him when he was using different angles, but he has the ability to, to do that. But Scangarello loved the fact that he was a four-year starter. Same with Brett Rippon, but in the case of Drew Locke, he was a four-year starter in the SEC on an outmatched team going up against schools whose recruiting was significantly more prolific than Missouri's. And that attracted him to Drew Locke on top of the traits, on top of the leadership and, and the other intangible aspects. And so I think th- those two, Scangarello and Drew Locke, Zach, they need time to grow together. I'm just hopeful that Vic Fangio gives it to him. I'm hopeful that John Elway gives it to him. It needs to be Drew Locke or bust from here until minimum the end of the 2020 NFL season. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it pretty much perfectly. The only thing I will add is that there needs to be continuity all around. I mean, you can't keep changing coaching staffs and coordinators every single season then expect your quarterback to relearn that system and then his, the rest of his teammates to fall in line and kind of uh, get on the same page with the culture. So, yeah, they need to give at least the rest of the season, which they will, and all of next season, no drawn-out competitions, no splitting reps, make Locke the guy, make Scangarello the guy at coordinator and go to battle with those two. Jordan jumping in. He says, what did you think about Yadam on that 4th and 11 play? It was terrible. I mean, it's Yadam. <laughs> well, now, for those who, met, who who are trying to think back, that was when Phillip Rivers, this was in the fourth quarter, completed 38 yards to Mike Williams with Yadam in coverage. And, and you know what? Williams made a great play, and Rivers made a great read and a great throw attacking Yadam. But Yadam, man, you got to come up with that play in the clutch. Like you got to break up that pass, dude. Yeah. I understand if you get burned off the ball, 
because from a vertical speed perspective, Yadam's not the fastest corner on the team, but he has the size and physicality to attack the ball at the catch point, and he just didn't do that. He like the he he relinquished a terrible completion in a key moment, and he's lucky it didn't cost him the game, Zach. And he's lucky the Broncos' corners are either hurt or not performing well, or else he he can, can, can would continue riding the bench, Chad. It's just who, who he is as a player. He finally got his head around for the ball, which I'm sure his teammates and his coaches on the sideline were screaming at him to do. It was just too late, though. I mean, that's just his game right now. He doesn't have the technique down. I mean, he's far from a, a, a polished product, and I think as a third-round pick, I did not like it then, and I still don't like it. I'm not going to use the B word just yet, but I think it's really inching toward that territory. Wanna Beast jumping in with a, can we talk about Noah Fant? I still do not understand why he is slow out of his breaks and cuts. He has that great three-cone score from the combine he's talking about. It just seems like that is a weak point right now. You know, my biggest thing with Fant isn't so much being slow in and out of his breaks. My my thing with Fant is not catching the ball in critical moments, like the end of the Vikings game in the end zone. He had an opportunity to catch that ball, and he let it go through his hands, and the Broncos lost. That second touchdown that Sutton caught, the play before that, Drew Locke threw him a dime in the end zone. And, yeah, it was a contested uh, pass, but, dude, it went right. If you watch and slow replay that sucker, it goes right through his hands, man. Like, Fant should have caught that ball. So that's my biggest thing with Fant right now is, you know, you need to come up with those plays. And I'm confident. Like, I'm, I see a few other comments here in the stream using the B word the bust word as it relates to Fant, not even close, you guys. How? Fant, Fant's going to be a stud for this team for many years. And the and the farther he gets into his career, Zach, the more he's going to be able to come up with those type of plays that he just, you know, he couldn't. This, this As a rookie, he's coming up short. That'll change as time goes on. God, those comments really take me off, Chad. Calling Locke a bust or Noah Fant a bust. I mean, Broncos fans and NFL fans in general really don't understand that. To transition from college to the NFL for a tight end is really, really difficult. And I think he did pretty well. I mean, his number one job is to be a receiver. And we saw glimpses of what he can do. We saw it against the Browns. Uh, we see it every now and then. He'll catch a pass. He'll turn up field. He has the body. He has the talent. He has to put it all together. Don't get caught up on a speed or lack thereof. Ask the Oakland Raiders how much speed benefited them the last couple decades. It's not the end-all, be-all here. He's still going to be an all-around good player. And look at TJ Hawkinson, his former teammate. He's on IR now. He had one good game in week one, and then he disappeared. I mean, that's every tight end in the NFL. And the more raw you are in college, the harder the transition is. So give him time. He's going to be, I think, a Pro Bowl player as soon as next year. And he only had one reception for five yards. He could have had that touchdown. Didn't shake out. Cortland Sutton ended up getting it on the next play. He had two on the day. What bothered me more so, other than the the Fant drop in the end zone, was how Jeff Hireman comes back into the equation. He's immediately grandfathered back as tight end one. And all those targets that are in the passing scheme end up going to Hireman, especially in the first half. Like, Hireman is an extremely limited tight end. And as an offense, the coaches, Zach, they might be able to trust him more from an assignment perspective, uh, knowing the offense, knowing his assignment, and knowing, you know, and from a blocking, you know, when he's tasked with run blocking or staying into pass block, being trusted to hold up better than Fant. On that front, I understand it. But when it came time to the passing game, you're telling me that you're going to take the slow poke Jeff Hireman over the 4 5 Noah Fant, who has shown at multiple points this season. While Hireman, I mean, he's always injured, dude, first of all, with Hireman. But while he was injured, Fant really kind of came into his own, and now he has to take a a backseat to Jeff Hireman. Like, that bothered me. I didn't like seeing Hireman vacuum in all those targets from Locke. 
I'm right there with you. Those should all go to Noah Fan. I mean, we've seen what Hireman can do. We've seen his ceiling pretty much. And I we talked about it yesterday that these high round draft picks of the Broncos that don't really perform well, they give them every chance, second chance, third chances, 20, 20th chances to perform on the field. And that's what Hireman got from this Broncos staff. They're trying to wring some sort of production out of him, but that should all go to Noah Fan. Their tight end of the future is on the roster, and his name is not Jeff Hireman. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. There was a comment there. I apologize. I just missed. I I X'd out of it. But Fant, or excuse me. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I mean, Locke, he did not seem scared yesterday. The moment did not seem too big for him. And I think that's one of the things that, honestly, the coaches weren't sure about. And one of the reasons why they dragged their heels on on activating him off IR to practice and then eventually getting him on the field was, you know, they weren't sure whether or not the moment would be too big, whether he would wither under the pressure. And he very quickly, man, showed that he he can contend. He belongs in the league. He's still raw. He still showed at times there's a few passes, including that deep one early on that he missed to Hireman that was wide open if he would have thrown it more, put more air under it and thrown it more toward the sideline. That's a big completion and a big play. Um, so he still needs to be more consistent with his footwork and his and his technique from his throwing platform and all that stuff, and it'll come with more time on task. But, Zach, from a, from a confidence perspective, if you're the coaches, like today or even last night when they had their meetings – they're looking at each other with grins on their faces because they know they've got a guy now. They've got a guy that can play, who's got the arm strength, got the arm talent, got the athleticism, got the QB1 it factor. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together behind him and getting him that time on task, which these ensuing four games to close the season, the final quarter of the season, he's going to get plenty of those live bullet reps. You know what scared is? Scared is crying on the bench in Oakland as Paxton Lynch did. Not what Drew Locke did yesterday on the sideline. The only emotion he showed before the game, they showed him uh, in the pregame introduction or the national anthem, he was taking it all in. He looked like he looked around, he looked at his name on the scoreboard, and he thought it was almost like he said to himself, wow, I finally made it. And he looked like he was excited. It was nervous energy. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, an anxiety. It wasn't scaredness. It was just wanting to get out there and perform. I did not see any sort of worry, concern from him. He's an alpha personality with the it factor. And no matter what the situation is, the opponent, the game, he's going to rise to the challenge. 
Happy Ken wants to know if we are worried that Locke only got less than 150 yards. I guess if you add up his rushing yards, he came close. He was about 150. He had 15 rush yards, if I'm not mistaken, on the day, and then 134 passing. Zach, no, that doesn't worry me because the game plan, the way the Broncos batting down the hatches, played conservative, played not to lose in the second half, you know, becoming so predictable. No, it doesn't bother me one iota. Look at that first quarter. Yes, it was, you know, he was succeeding during the scripted portion of Rich Scangarello's game plan, but Skangs can take, you know, inspiration from that portion of the game and draw up a game plan that is going to accentuate what Drew Locke can really do. And he showed it in that change in the play. Well, for what it's worth, let's uh, one thing I want to address with people, they don't realize this. Everyone's just seeing the headline that Locke audibled at the line or audibled from the huddle, told Cortland Sutton on that first score to run a nine route, run a fade. What actually happened was the play call leaves open. We learned about this after the fact from Vic Fangio, leaves open an option for the quarterback to read the coverage on this one route from the X position and determine which route he wants him to run based on the coverage. And the way the Chargers were selling out, he saw an opportunity. And so we told Sutton, hey, you know, instead of running this, you're going to run the fade. And it worked. And But all that stuff, Zach, I'm not worried about the, the 150 yards. No. I think the coaches need to man up a little bit and take their training wheels off emotionally and just mm-hmm. let Locke be who he's going to be, let him bump his head. You saw in that second half when he threw the pick, you know, those picks are going to come because he's still learning on the job a little bit in terms of NFL speed, understanding coverage is better, but you got to let him go out and bump his head because what comes along with that Zach are the dynamic big plays. Like you saw in the first quarter. I'm with you. And I don't care about the stats at all. We said this going into the game. We've said this for a couple of weeks. Now the stats don't matter. The only stat that matters, Chad, he's one to know. He won the ball game yesterday. That's the biggest stat, and that's the most important stat for this team right now. Ultimately, he got the win. And let's not forget, he played a defense that had a great pass rusher and has two great safeties coming back and playing yesterday. So the fact that he had 155 yards, a lot of it was game script, a lot of it was game flow, not wanting to really take chances, not wanting to to, uh, hurt his confidence. And I suspect that'll start to open up a little more going into the Texans game. But I am not concerned at all. I don't care about the yardage. If, if we would have thrown for 500 yards and they would have lost, I mean, isn't one more important than the other here? Right. And and that's where, and I even wrote about this today on Monday, that I can understand on one hand the coach's reluctance to just, you know, keep them their foot to the pedal. It was his first start, and he'd only been throwing the football for three weeks up to that point. So I understand their reticence to put too much on his plate. And so in that sense, I guess I can give him a pass. The problem is, though, Zach, it's a pattern that has persisted throughout the season now with the, the this is the third quarterback in which the Broncos, I mean, twice I can think of off the top of my head, this is without doing any research, that they got out to a 17-point lead in the second quarter with Flacco. Both those games they lost uh, with with Brandon Allen getting out to a 20 to nothing lead in Minnesota. They lost. Why? It's a mindset thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a play, it's a coaching not to lose thing. And they just, you know, and I, hopefully over time, these are things that Fangio and Skingarello can learn from and and develop themselves. Coaches develop just like players do. Glenn wants to know, and this is some big news from today. Do we think Wolf, Derek Wolf is with this team next year? He's been a beast this season and he has absolutely been a beast. He's going to be done for the year. Dislocated elbow. Same thing that happened with Jano a couple weeks ago, six to eight weeks, Zach, do you think the Broncos and Derek Wolf make some magic? He comes back next year. 
I think the Broncos will make Derek Wolf an aggressive offer. I don't think it will be a bank-breaking offer. I don't think it's going to be a, a four- or five-year offer. I, he's going to get some money on the open market, Chad, either from the Broncos or elsewhere. He had a career-high season this year. The injury hurts him because that's part of his reputation as being an injury-prone player, but he's going to get a nice payday somewhere. I would expect the Broncos to make him an offer. I just, you know, you and I differ on the stance when it comes to Derek Wolf. I don't think he's a necessity. I don't think he's a must-have. Also, a lot will depend on how Demarcus Walker plays the last four weeks of the season. Jeremont Jones kind of came to life yesterday, had the interception. If they feel like those two players are well enough to start or contribute, I think they can do without Derek Wolf. Yeah, that's just that's just not a topic Zach and I see completely eye-to-eye on, which is fine. I'm of the opinion that I think Derek Wolf, and it's going to be a tight situation, uh, uh, tough situation because not only his age, his injury history, ending a contract year on, on injured reserve, but the fact that he had arguably his, his best season as a pro and then he gets hurt. It's going to be hard to kind of put a number on what his value is going to be. It will be interesting to see what kind of money his camp ends up asking for going into free agency. But I think the Broncos will try and make him a priority. Elway loves him. He's a homegrown guy. He met his wife and started his family here in Denver, did Wolf, won a world championship. Like, he wants to stay here, and I think he will, unlike Harris, who's like, I'm not taking any more hometown discounts. Wolf will. You just got to also at the same time recognize him for what he is as a leader in the locker room and the production that he had this year especially. I mean, you want to weigh his entire eight-year career, but at the same time really focus on, well, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, you're finishing another year on injured reserve, but – you had your – I mean, he leads the team in sacks, not Von Miller, not mm. Demarcus Walker. Bradley Chubb's long gone on IR, winning weeks now. Derek Wolf leads the team, and he had two sacks yesterday. So That's I hope it point. happens, and I think it will, Zach. But you know what? Is he going to give the Broncos a discount? He made famous with the haircut saying, Chad, he doesn't want to give the Broncos another. I I don't, I I think he knows that he made himself some money on the open market with his career best season. I think he'll see what the Broncos have to say to him, but it's going to take probably a heavy guarantee type deal. He wants some security. He's getting up there in age. He's been injured every year. I bet he feels like he's put his body on the line. I miss a guy that was paralyzed at one point. He had stem cell in his neck. I mean, he thinks, and he deserves to be taken care of. He deserves the money. I just don't think it'll come from the Broncos if he's hoping for a super lucrative type deal. If you look at the three big free agents on that side of the ball, in my mind anyway, Justin Simmons, Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, throw in Shelby Harris. I think there's a good chance the Broncos sign, if you're looking at Harris, Chris Harris, Simmons, and Wolf, two of those three. There's a good chance. I don't. I, I couldn't tell you at this point exactly which two. If you add up the four between Shelby, Chris Harris, Simmons, and Wolf, maybe two of the four. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't tell you at this stage. It's it's too early in the game. Paul jumping in with twenty dollar donation Thank on you, super chat. Appreciate your brother. He wants to know if if we are concerned, Zach, with the nineteen thousand some odd no shows at the game yesterday. And by the way, just to m- make this clear, these are not unsold tickets these are tickets that fans bought and paid for and just chose they, they chose not to show up now my opinion on this is that when a fan pays the money for a ticket if they that fan chooses not to show up that's his right that's his prerogative Vic Fangio just didn't do the box office much help by trying right. to play the to use his own verbiage Zach the silly games with the Drew Lock. if he would have gotten out in front of this thing on Monday and said look or even Tuesday, get a get a day under their belt of practice. Make sure he's not completely off base. Okay, Locke looks solid. Yeah, we're going with Locke. 
my bet is that at least half of those people, if it would have been publicized and everyone knew that Locke was starting, probably about half of those people would have shown up. But but you just have to chalk it up to, to three and eight going into yesterday's at. Let me just tack on a point to the last thing we were talking about. If I'm taking two of the four from that group, I'm taking Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris. That's just my opinion, and I see some comments coming in, so it's a good discussion to have. In terms of the no-shows, though, that we talked about on yesterday's pod chat. That's a product of being 3-8 and eight going into that game, not giving the fans uh, something exciting. And like you said, we talked about it yesterday, dragging the quarterback situation out. Brandon Allen does not sell tickets. Drew Locke does. If they would have announced it Tuesday or Wednesday, people would have either uh, booked tickets to the game, made plans for the game, flown in for the game, but they didn't. They really dragged their heels and their feet or whatever, and uh, it cost them. So I'm not concerned. I think the next home game with Locke starting, you'll see more of a packed crowd. All right, last thing I want to talk about, guys, and then we got to get out of here. We're running a little bit long tonight. It's always fun talking to you guys. We have, I mean, time flies. We're not looking at the clock, but... We do have other things we got to get to as it relates to covering your Denver Broncos and bringing you the best coverage on your team on the internet. And that is the topic of Jawan James, who was a healthy scratch for the third week in a row. Mr. $51 million right tackle. Mr. He's not emotionally and, you know, mentally ready to play. Well, Vic Fangio said today that he is expected to play. However, he did qualify it a little bit, Zach, by saying that he you know, it would be unrealistic to expect Juwan James to come back after not playing since week eight. Was it week eight? Yeah, week eight against the Colts. After having not played, to expect him to play 60, 70 snaps. So, yeah, he'll he's going to play this week and he's going to start, but he's going to be spelled by Elijah Wilkinson still. Wait, so it's not realistic, but it's realistic for Drew Locke to go from IR and being cold to being the starter in one week. That's realistic, though. So that's, right. again, where Fangio was talking himself – Right. It's talking himself in a circle here. It doesn't make sense. They are protecting Juwan James. I don't know why, but this is the reason Miami got rid of him. This is the reason a tanking team like the Dolphins were reportedly laughing at the Broncos for signing James to the richest contract at the time for a right tackle in NFL history. He was a whoopee cushion that the Broncos sat on. And you know what? Miami was right. Andrew jumping in with a nice little... There we go. There it is. Right there. But yeah, it's... uh, it's the epitome of disappointing The not just Juwan James being soft and being an injury milker, that reputation being absolutely true, but the Broncos have just taken it too easy on him, man. Like yes. get him out there. Why are you standing at the podium, Vic, and talking about the emotional and mental well-being of a player who's making $51 million, dude, get him on the field. Let it's him ridiculous. earn his money. Right. I mean, we're talking about a coach who in, in the preseason when Philip Lindsay was late for a practice because he went to a chiropractor, was throwing shade on, That's you right. know, let's cut it with the chiropractor thing. Dude, you're acting like Vic Fangio anyway. You're acting like, you know, he's some, you're some kind of psychologist or psychiatrist. This is football, dude. Is he physically able to play? Right. He's, he's making star money. Get him out on the field. Enough's enough. I fully agree. If he's healthy and if he's breathing, he needs to start giving the Broncos a return on investment. But I start to wonder, is it all Fangio? Is that another edict that comes from above with John Elway? We don't know. But if it is, that's just another example. Either way, it's a bad look. But if it's just another example of the Elway and Fangio not being on the same page. And it's just continuing to hurting the Broncos with contradictory statements. Here's the silver lining, though. Last thing I'll say, and then we got to bid you great folks in Broncos country adieu for tonight. Hey, it's not as big of an issue as it was even three weeks ago, two weeks ago, because Elijah Wilkinson played a really good game against the Chargers. So did Garrett Bowles. 
the edge pressure has was nowhere near what it had been under Allen and Flacco. Now it's it, we can't lean on that. We can't count on that. It could be an outlier. We got to see that play out a couple of times before you can really point to it and go, "There's something here." Right. But it is an encouraging development, which is why one of the reasons Zach, I'm guessing Fangio's use you know saying things like, "Yeah, we're going to spell him with Eli." Because he wants to also acknowledge and recognize Elijah Wilkinson's contributions and the way he's turned the ship around. But there's no downside to having James on the field. If anything, it gives you a no. competent backup behind uh, Garrett Bowles and uh, Elijah Wilkinson. So, like you said, he needs to earn his money. He needs to be out there. If he's healthy, uh, he needs to dress and play. I hated what, what Fangio said last week, where if he's not going to start, he's not going to play. So you're going to deactivate a healthy $51 million player who was your prize free agent? I, I do not understand it, and I don't agree with the Broncos handling at all of Juwan James. But the odds are you're going to see him start his third game. Hopefully he gets a little bit deeper than 20 snaps in before going down <laughs> Hopefully. this time. Because, you know, this this Texans defense, they can play, and they're going to need some protection for their rookie quarterback. So we'll see how it shakes out. But, you guys, thank you for joining us again tonight on this live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook of the Huddle Up podcast. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way for you to stay in touch with what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to leave a creative review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing here. And find my partner on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then stay tuned, you guys. We're going to be back in the saddle. We're going to be off tomorrow night is Tuesday. We're going to be off. Um, There will be a fresh episode of Building the Broncos waiting for you when you wake up Wednesday morning. And then Zach and I will be back Wednesday night to break down everything that has transpired between now and that point. We'll go live 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, like this evening. So stay tuned for that. Massive thanks to our Super Chat superstars. You guys are awesome and and single-handedly keeping the show afloat. So appreciate you guys. But, Zach, have a good night, my brother. You too. I'll see you Wednesday. All right, buddy. Guys, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Have a good night. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 